0: and welcome to our Tuesday Q&A. So glad to be back with you. For our first question, we have a question from Dara about Santa Claus and her son's very burning insistent declaration that since he knows Santa not to be real, that little sister also needs to know, and this is upsetting. And you wrote at the end that you've done some reflection and your underlying deep need is to share the magic of Christmas with your children and to make family memories. So let's back up and remember that a core philosophy is that our children's behavior is telling us what's too hard for them. And then we as low demand parents proactively drop those expectations that are too hard for them to manage which helps to restore trust and connection with, um, in that bond, as well as taking care of our own needs so that we can do it wholeheartedly instead of in a fake drop situation where we pretend to drop the demand, but actually hold on to the expectation that our child should be doing it. So I can feel in your question that this is lurking fake drop category where you might be able to drop the expectation um, that your son maintain the magic of Santa for his little sister, but you really wish that he would and that you think he should be able to. Um, he can't, it's a can't, not a won't. If he could, he would. And as last year showed, he was able to then, but he's not able to now. It is feeling too significant. The tr- this question of truth and truth telling is obviously a big motivator. And so let's accept that your child cannot keep this a secret. In his own way, he really needs for his little sister not just to appreciate um, these words, Santa is not real, but to really get the truth of what's going on, that your parents are the ones giving you these gifts, which is an incredible opportunity to work on your true underlying um, motivation, which is to create some magic in this season and to create family memories together. So, I would say to think about a way that you can communicate with both of your children about how much you love them and how gift-giving represents your true heart and your for you the magic of the season and the way that you're giving gifts, that you want it to feel abundant and magical and provide them with great gifts. Hold on. Construction noise in my neighborhood. Um, So is there a way that even sharing this information that the gifts come from us and they come out of the abundance of our love, could that be a part of the magic of the experience as well? instead of thinking of sharing this information as nothing but a trauma is there a way that this too could be magical that knowing that wow it's my parents who love me so much and um that that is the motivation behind the gift giving another angle to think about is what does magic really mean to you How do you feel the magic of the season? How do you know it's happening in your body? Can you think of memories where the magic was happening for you either as a child or even better as an adult? And when do you see your son get involved in this thing that you're calling the magic? Since the magic for him is not going to be about the make-believe around Santa Claus, then what is the true essence of the magic that is connecting, that's unifying, and that everybody in the family can participate in? and how can you accentuate that with rituals and family activities that really will be an inclusive offering for you and for your son. In our second question, we have a wondering about equalizing behaviors and particularly how to protect a much younger sibling. So, before we get into any nuance around the age of siblings, let's talk a little bit about equalizing and how to know what it is and what to do. So, I think of equalizing as the pot rattling because the water is boiling on the inside. It's the external symbol that something has heated up and pressurized this little person so much that they have to let off that steam. So that metaphor gives you several different ways to think about releasing the pressure and um, letting your child let go of the equalizing and the need for it. So the first thing you can do is take the top off the pot. This is letting all of the air out by um, redirecting your child into another possible path This typically happens in the moment by absorbing that equalizing yourself, letting them boss you around. It also happens through equalizing play where you give them a chance to find that darker impulse lighten up with laughter and acceptance that happens in playfulness, where they get to be the dominant one, the king races, where you tell them from the outset that they're going to get to win every race a game that you can play that you know that they'll win. It takes real skill to lose at UNO over and over and over again. But you can do it. All those are in-the-moment ways to just take the top off of the pot. Reducing the temperature is work that you do reducing the load that your child is carrying by dropping demands proactively and sustainably in a really deep listening process with your child. So figure out where is the the heat coming from? What's creating this temperature imbalance in the pot itself and turn that temperature down. So you might ask, when are the times of day that are hardest for my child? What are the specific demands? What are the expectations that I'm holding for them in that time of day that are still too hard? How can I proactively, that means on purpose and ahead of time, let go of those expectations, and to create instead a new positive set of expectations that my child can meet so that they feel comfortable and competent and confident. Those are all the qualities that a child is looking to embody when they're equalizing. And if they feel that in their daily life, because they're able to meet your expectations, that will turn the heat down so that they're no longer boiling over. You can also toss some cold things in the pot. You can bring the temperature down by adding to the pot itself. So think about this as putting in ice cubes. You do that through regulating activities for their sensory system, by giving them regular opportunities for heavy work and intense movement, crashing, swinging, um, transformations, taking something and turning it into something else is often very stimulating for your pda brain. Um, or really any child's brain. This is not PDA specific, although equalizing is a term that's used for PDA. It's really something that all people do. just it's accentuated in PDA kids because they have such an intense need to feel confident and confident, confident and competent and in control. And then the last thing, if you can't bring the temperature down, you can't get that top off, you can't get the temperature down, there's nothing else to add, and they're still boiling over, that's when you just take all the water out of the pot and move it into a new place. And that is the act of separating the siblings. And I really encourage you to think more creatively about separating because so many of us don't have extra hands and don't have an obvious place to send a younger sibling where they can be safe. But thinking about safe separation within your own home, a safety plan so that when that pot is boiling and you can see those equalizing behaviors start to ramp up, you can send that younger child into a safe space. Maybe there's um, an iPad there or a phone that they can call a grandparent to um, play games together. We have something called a portal, which is a permanently set up device that's really easy for toddlers to make phone calls on. So that's something you could look into. That's part of was part of our safety plan. Um, any way that you can create division within your home at those key times of day, it doesn't have to be all the time, because probably the equalizing is happening at certain times of day that are too intense and where your needs are, you're stretched too thin, that those times a day are particular times that you can proactively put space plans in so that you're separating the kids. And it may involve getting outside help and think creatively about that too. Who? Is, what strengths do you have to bring to this situation? Who in your network is willing to help out and think as broadly and as widely as you can about those people and about how they can be helpful to you in that moment. The answer won't be copying somebody else's else's solution, it will be finding your own resources and bringing them to bear. And because the sibling is much younger, you're going to need to make all of these, any of the space plan solutions safe for a young person. So it may involve a whole house safety check where you walk around and remove everything that could be thrown or broken because if you're going to be separating, for example, with a little one, and you're leaving the older, more dysregulated child to calm down on their own in a space, you wanna make sure that that space can be calmed down ready no matter where they are. So it may be like we lock up all of our knives and all of our sharp things so that I can let my child calm down no matter where he is without worry that he could hurt himself. We don't have any precious items anywhere anymore and have made our peace with things being broken like doors or furniture. Um, And I've also invested in pretty rugged and durable things to have around the things we have to have can all be hit or thrown or kicked or tossed in um, an effort to make all our spaces safe spaces for calming down so that we can separate into any room at any time. Thanks for your great question. I hope this gives you some new things to think about. In our third question from Ashley, there are a series of really thoughtful questions here, um, particularly illustrating a problem that's developing in her family dynamic where um, her son's needs are pressing the other members of the family um, outside of their zone of tolerance and um, that's also leading her son to some equalizing behaviors, which brings up um, questions of co-parenting, sibling relationships, and then the the personal impact on her limbic and parasympathetic systems um, in order to uh, manage all of those meltdowns and conflicts and challenges so i'm gonna um, give some brief answers to each one but i'm also logging each of these as great topics for future teaching videos so look out for more details on each one so for the first how do you have more compassion for your spouse when he is struggling with your son so this a lot of a lot of us are in this position in this community so first of all you're not alone second the key is remembering that he does well when he can and there's two pieces to that he does well he actually is meeting many of your expectations when he can and there are times when he's not so just the same as with our kids the key to moving from a fake drop which builds up resentment and anger to a true drop in demand is figuring out for yourself how do you get your own needs met without asking something that's too hard of your spouse and so i would say that it's two things in order to accept your spouse as they are you also have to be really clear on your needs and how you can get them met outside of your relationship if your spouse is doing all that he can and it's still not meeting all of your needs, then those needs are still valid and important, but they don't have to be met in this one relationship. But also recognizing that your spouse does do well and creating a positive set of expectations that he can meet day after day will strengthen your bond and give you the chance to be truly proud of your spouse and to see them Thriving and in the best possible light. So to move from a fake drop to a proactive drop You actually have to think of the things that you want for your spouse to do that they can actually do and Then notice when those things are happening and put your energy into those set of expectations and Let go of the ones that they can't meet. It is easier said than done. I will say that for sure your second question is about equalizing behavior. I had another question all about equalizing. So um, I'm going to leave this at basically at the second piece, which is that it's not just equalizing all the time. You're noticing that it's particularly when your son wants companionship and that he's really struggling to be alone. So there you're identifying that it too, a demand for your child that's too hard for him is to be alone. And he's expressing that in equalizing behavior, which makes total sense. This is something he is not able to do. So then how do you create a day where he isn't alone? And that's really hard, but it's also very clear. Um, It could be enlisting the help of another nervous system like an animal, or it could be by animating a bunch of stuffed animals that are his constant companions. It could be a robot. Um, my son built a robot out of Legos and that really gave him a lot of regulation for a season um, because that was companionship for him. So there's creative ways that you can bring in more help, but dropping the expectation that he would be alone without asking your the rest of your family members to be the constant companion for him means finding an additional source of companionship. Um, it could be FaceTiming family members, finding online friends that he can play with. That's been a real boom for my son is having a couple of friends that he can call independently when he's being alone and doesn't wanna be. So um, get creative and recognize that it's a can't and not a won't. And that will really relieve the equalizing by dropping the demand that he be alone. So for the third question, it's about how you manage going back and forth between being zoned out and being in fight or flight. So I would see these as very interconnected. The zoning out is actually when your your protective system is kicking in to protect you from the um, fight or flight system and saying it's not safe to be in my body right now so I'm going to go away somewhere and to reset through um, through zoning out. And so it's also called dissociation. It's a very common way that we, our brains and bodies deal with trauma. So processing through your trauma is a key piece of healing both of these systems and moving out of this back and forth zigzag. You can heal your trauma in a number of ways. studies have found that um, trauma-informed yoga is as effective as EMDR, which is kind of the gold standard, extremely effective. But you can also use um, uh, many other tapping techniques um, and you can use um, things like floats and hypnosis, there's just so many ways that people have found to move through their trauma. You can also do, um, in work with me, I've found that doing inner child and um, family systems work um, is also really effective. So all of these ways to move through your trauma will move you out of this zigzagging nervous system. Our next question is from Bethany about the relationship she has with her daughter and you, um, Bethany, have identified that your 13-year-old daughter's extended season of struggle is really impacting you. And so you're asking, are you able to be okay when your kids are not okay for a long time? So I want to say two things. First, I'll tell you something my psychiatrist said to me that was really helpful with validating my struggle and making sure and this I want for you to know that you're not crazy, you're not making this up, this is real. She said, "The only you're, you are only doing as well as your least happy child, which we can take happy to mean a lot of things. You're only doing as well as your least regulated child. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're in codependency It also may mean that your child's struggles are impacting you. They are raising the demands on you and they are raising the energy level of the household um, to a a vibration level that is feeling challenging and unsustainable. Um, And so the real side of that is this is real our brains are intimately connected with one another's and you are doing a lot of co-regulation work because the more dysregulated your child the more they pull on your brain you're also seeing your child develop hormonally and um, shift into a whole new season of brain chemistry um, and that is also real and so you're also seeing a, a pull on your brain and on your body and on your resources And so um, if you haven't heard of spoon theory, definitely start to investigate it. It sounds like you are out of spoons. Too many things are being asked of you to use the low demand vocabulary. The the demands on you are too high. So the second piece I would offer is yes, there's a way out and it may not be through um, the lens of codependency. Although I know there's a lot of resources that um, offer an emotional path to disentangling with your family members Um, the practical path that we take in the low demand approach is to look at the practical moments in your day where your daughter's dysregulation is asking too much of you and what is happening what are her expectations in that moment that you're having difficulty meeting what are the family's expectations That you're having difficulty meeting at the same time as you meet your daughters and what are your expectations for yourself that you're having difficulty meeting and be really honest about those things it's okay if you are having difficulty having a conversation just like a baseline conversation after 4 p.m that's what's your truth and then you can be proactive about make finding out when is somebody trying to talk to me after 4 p.m and i do not have the brain cells for it and proactively drop that expectation with that person and find other ways to connect when you do have the brain cells before you completely tap out or perhaps it's around bedtime maybe you don't have the resources to have a long conversation with your daughter at bedtime and the evening dysregulation Mm -hmm. is when you are up to here then what can you proactively do to change the dynamic so that you are not putting yourself in a situation when the demands are too high it's kind of flipping the Flipping the scenario, now you're kind of the child and you can have a conversation with yourself, like adult Bethany, child Bethany, and let your adult Bethany be the adult part of you who is calm and confident, who knows how to take care of herself. And then there's a little child part of you that's like, I can't handle this. It's too much for me. I'm dying over here. And have a conversation like you would with your 13-year-old daughter. Have a conversation with 13-year-old you. Um, it might be interesting to think about what the expectations were of you when you were her age, um, it's possible that you are having also some of your own work come through here. Um, and some of the things that you did to survive at that age might not be, um, serving you anymore and it might be time to, um, 10 to 13 year old you and put her to rest, um, But above all, I would say look at the practical demands and find ways to reduce those expectations. Um, You probably, you may not be as able to reduce your daughter's expectations as you could reduce maybe other people's in the family dynamic or your own. So definitely asking, what do I have control over? What's in my domain here to impact? And really moving forward on those things, the things that are in your court. Thanks for this great and honest question. So for our last question, we um, are thinking about uh, marriage again and about um, about relational dynamics in a low demand approach. Um, so there's a lot in the question that like is nuance, but I can sum it up that when things are getting hard, the father in this family is taking a higher demand approach and kind of saying, like, I need to be consistent. I need to draw the line here. You can't cross it. And particularly when um, this little boy is being aggressive with the mom. So I'll tell you a few thoughts and mantras that I have found helpful for creating a boundary in that situation. I will say, um, I get to decide what happens with my body. So if I am choosing to let this child hit me, that is my choice. It's my choice to allow this kind of emotional expression, this physical expression. And if I'm okay, then I get to be okay and I don't need protecting. So I'll say I get to choose what happens to my body. That may help if what you're wanting is to allow the behavior and your husband is wanting to draw the line. Um, The other piece is Um, that low demand partnerships take root and really flourish in an environment where the the lead low demand partner, so in this case it's you, where you are proactively dropping demands for your husband. So I'm going to return or just kind of remind of the question I answered before that noticing how your husband's behavior is meaningful communication about what's too hard for him. And so it's possible that instead of saying, okay, my husband can't um, handle seeing me hit at bath time, maybe you back up and say something about bath time is too hard for my husband, that he's not set up for success here. I'm noticing that a lot of our meltdowns are happening around bath time like my husband's meltdowns Um, and so asking him hey something about bath time seems a little too hard for you what is it and that way he doesn't have to be introspective about you know his upbringing and the way that his parents blah 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 he just needs to notice what particularly about bath time is too hard and then remove that piece so that he's not so triggered so that he's not in such a fight or flight state so that he can be more calm and ready to receive whatever comes. It may mean that he can't be a part of bath time anymore and you remove that from his plate or it might be that the responsibility of washing hair knowing that the child is gonna melt down and that's gonna be too much for him is the problem and so you proactively drop hair washing. These are all just examples. I have no idea what part of the day is going to come up or what your husband's response will be. But that's another way of offering the low demand approach as a gift to your loved one, is to say what part of this is too hard and then let's make it go away for you. So you don't have to keep doing things that are too hard for you day after day after day, um, recognizing that everyone does well when they can. And so if he is on board and really trying hard in this area, then I would use these high demand situations, the like draw the line situations as a behavioral expression of him not able to meet your expectation. He's not able to do well in that situation. And so we need to figure out what is making it hard for him to do well and remove that piece rather than expecting him to kind of like mentally get on board or do additional training or join a group like this those expectations are gonna be way more too high stuff that he can't meet. Instead, we're trying to lower the bar, lower the expectations to a level that he can meet so that he can engage with you um, and you will be proud and you will be satisfied that he is meeting your expectations. And remember, like we said in the previous question, if that leaves you with needs that aren't getting met, find other ways to get them met that don't ask too much of your spouse. All right. I think that's the end of our questions for this week. I love the themes that emerged around partnering and equalizing and siblings. These are really important ones and self-care and managing our own um, emotional reactions to our kids' difficulty. All just great fodder for conversation in the group. Um, I also wanted to mention here for everyone who has a chance to watch that I'm doing some pretty serious research into a different platform that I think is going to really elevate what our community can be and do and the ways that you all can interact with each other. It would mean all of us moving from Patreon to this other community. I'll put a link below. It's called Mighty Networks and I'm beginning to build out a community-based space there that we can join. Um, and it will involve all the tiers, so whether you're in the community and connections tier and we're doing Zoom calls and partnering up for uh, mutual support, or if you're, we're doing these Q&As, they can be um, more live and interactive and you can post your own ideas there. So not just reliant on my posts, but posting your own stuff. It's a lot easier to tag. It's a lot easier to see when recent comments have been made. Just the whole thing is built really well. So I'm feeling really motivated to make the move and to do it now before too much more information is stored here and the community gets too much bigger. so i'll let you know when that happens but i just want to flag that for you and if you wanted to look into mighty networks at all you're welcome to there is an app it works really well and a website platform so you get to choose how you want to engage with it um i've personally set a goal of november 1st to be ready to move over so i'm just flagging that for you um that there's a move coming and i would absolutely love to have all of our patrons become members in this new online community. All right, see you next time!